Hello and welcome to another episode of Urban Legends and Mythologies. Today we're taking on the infamous Sewer Gators of New York City. So this is a tale that dates back to the 1920s, 1930s era and it actually starts in Florida. So in the mid-20s or 30s you have this nice little family. They're vacationing down in Florida and one of the key attraction souvenirs that they used to sell in Florida at the time were baby alligators. Yep, you heard that right. Baby alligators. You could buy them. Even today, you can get them shipped to you in the mail, and they can become your pets. And then when they grow to a big enough size, they can either eat you, or before that, you can flush them down the toilet, and they can go live in the sewers. In this case, little Johnny, he's in a little store in Florida, and he's begging his mom for like a penny or a dime or however much baby alligators cost in Florida in the 20s. And she gives in and she's like, oh, okay, Johnny, you can have the little pet baby alligator or whatever. So he brings it back and he's like raising it in his room. Well, at some point, the little baby alligator gets a little bigger and it bites little Johnny. So his dad, being the sociopath that he is, decides that he's just going to flush the live critter down the toilet and that will be that. Well, it's 10 years later and there's some clogs and stuff that they have to go down in the sewers to fit. And while they take this turn around this bend, the workers come upon a site that they've never seen before. They see a big 10-foot albino alligator feasting on the rats. And he looks and turns around and he snatches onto his buddy's leg. And he goes into a typical alligator death roll and he pulls his buddy under and his buddy's chow. It's a good story. But is it really possible that there are alligators living in sewers underneath New York? Well, let's find out. Well, short answer, no. That's it. Thank you for listening. This is Mike with... Oh, wait, there's more? Okay. So, given what we know about alligators, they are the perfect swamp-adapted creature. They are the apex predator of their environment, and they haven't really had to evolve in like 200 million years because... As long as there's swamps, there's going to be gators. They are the perfect killing machine for their environment. That being said, they are cold-blooded critters. And a cold-blooded critter would have a very, very hard time living in an underground sewer where the average temperature is probably something like 20 degrees Fahrenheit in the wintertime. So... Let's say, for example, you were able to actually flush one of these baby alligators down the toilet, which would be a difficult task in itself, considering if you really look at a toilet, the diameter of that drain pipe, it's only about the size of this beer can, this Cidergeist Breezy Hard Cider with Honey beer can. It's not very wide. It's made to take care of human body waste and toilet paper. Now, while rats and stuff can get in there and, yeah, maybe a baby alligator could squeeze its way through the S-pipe and swim down into a sewer, it's highly unlikely. 
it's more likely that the thing's going to get trapped somewhere in that sewer pipe on its way to the sewer system itself and die. And then you call a plumber and he has to come cut it out of that drain pipe. But let's say he does make it all the way to the main sewer system. Once again, he's cold-blooded. He needs the sun to regulate his body temperature. So he might survive for a few days, but eventually he's probably going to die just based on the cold and darkness alone. Furthermore, you know, you're in a sewer with human waste. The bacteria from that alone is going to kill that gator very quickly. Those beasts may have been able to survive the K2 extinction, but they're not gonna survive very long wading through human excrement and the gases that build up under sewer um, lines and stuff like that. More than likely what happens is these people, they get these alligators as pets, they still get them today, and they either escape from their apartments or they go down a storm drain and make their way into the sewer system or something like that where they die shortly after. However, let's kind of riff on the idea of the sewer gator. Um, Let's say an alligator somehow was able to withstand that environment how would it how would it evolve and what would we expect to see if we came across one or even like a breeding group of some because that's really interesting however like always we do have to start at the beginning where did this urban legend come from So let's really quickly touch on that and then let's start riffing on it a little bit. So the initial rumor of this starts in the 1930s with a guy named Teddy May. Teddy May was the commissioner of sewers at the time in New York City, which is a big job. It's New York City. It's one of the biggest cities on the planet. So being the sewer commissioner, that's a pretty big job to have. So people were conducting interviews with him. And basically, the first published accounts of sewer gators start to come out. So this does come from accounts where May and sewer inspectors first reported seeing alligators in 1935. These alligators were about two feet long. Some of them were living, some of them were dead. However, he incites this panic, you know, probably to sell newspapers, to be honest. So... He sent these men, these sewer walkers, down to basically flush these out with 22 rifles. It's said that he even went down himself and um, the beam of his flashlight caught one that was about two feet long. Um, So he starts this extermination campaign where he's using poison bait, followed by the flooding of the side tunnels to flush them out where hunters would shoot them. He announces in 1937 of this this big excess and the gators were gone. And, you know, it starts this urban legend of, you know, flushing baby alligators down the toilet. However, even May himself says that that was not the case. There was no mention of blind albino gators. However, they were being dumped down storm drain when they got too big these illegal pets they're throwing them down storm drains when they get too big where shortly after they die may starts a big panic probably just because 
you know, he's probably getting a kickback from all this publicity and selling newspapers. It's not really known, but that's kind of where the whole thing comes from. It probably led to some additional funding of some pet projects and blah, blah, blah. And actually, if you've ever seen the, ep- the episode of King of the Hill where the snake gets released in the sewer system and goes down the drain, it's pretty much a perfect parody of this incident. And this story shows up again in a book entitled The World Beneath the City that was written in 1959 by Robert Daly, who actually interviews May in a chapter called Alligators in the Sewers, where he kind of recounts the story himself. However, he alleges that these alligators were mostly like, you know, at most two feet long. They were small. There weren't albino mutant 10-foot gators that are going to come and like eat the sewer workers, you know? Of course, you know, folklore being folklore, urban legend being urban legend, it does kind of take on that larger-than-life significance. We see these stories, you know, handed down on the playground over the next several decades, and then it just becomes so common that it's just an accepted kind of half-truth. And of course, these legends, these myths, they get exaggerated, And eventually the little two-feet gators living in the sewers become these giant mutant hybrid things that are exposed to, like, chemical waste. And they're kind of like the sewer equivalent of Godzilla. Which brings me back to kind of just riffing on the idea of what would an alligator look like if it ended up flushed down the drain and you had this population of alligators living in these sewers somehow they managed to escape death from the fact that they're simply cold-blooded and there's no heat or sunlight ignoring that let's just think about what it would be like so you have this gator and it's living in darkness so it's going to be completely albino if you remember my underworlds episode in season one where we're talking about how life evolves in caves it's going to be a lot like that it's good the thing's going to be albino it's not going to have much pigment on its skin it's probably going to be blind if it spent its whole life in darkness it's probably going to develop an enhanced sense of smell or hearing because with it being blind it's going to have to compensate for that somehow and it's probably going to have to find a way to function in a low-temperature environment, even though it's cold-blooded. So it might actually be lethargic most of the time until it's actually looking for food. And then maybe it becomes even more of an ambush predator. Maybe it just stays in one spot, literally just doing nothing for most of its life. And then that critter comes by and it snatches it up. That critter most likely being a giant New York City rat. It comes by and it snatches it up, and there you go. Um, The thing is, a creature like that would be very frail, and with no exposure to sunlight, eventually having exposure to sunlight may cause it to warm up too quickly, or it may damage its skin it may burn its skin you never know with a creature creature like that and if you had a breeding population of creatures like that they probably would be a very weak breeding population not to mention that you're gonna have these like sewer rats feasting on their eggs so it'd probably be like a one in like 50 chance that you'd even survive going through the hatching process but let's say that an alligator was just 
try just surviving down there as a normal alligator. It didn't go through any crazy adaption. It's just a normal alligator. And let's say that the thing gets to be like 20 feet long. Well, I'm sure there's somewhere in the New York City sewer system where an alligator can get like 20 feet long. Maybe there's some like big like pool of waste that it's in. And the guys are like going down the stairs and they're like don't go near that ledge because if you go near that ledge that giant gator's gonna come up and snatch you that that sounds like the kind of thing that like you would tell the new guy on the job his first day that would be pretty awesome we gotta remember that underneath new york there is a whole underground city of tunnels and sewers and it's not just sewers there are like steam tunnels and old abandoned subway junctions and all kinds of stuff so like it's pretty much ripe with the potential for like crazy creature stories which kind of explains how like teenage mutant ninja turtles happen i mean you have a giant sewer rat and a bunch of like mutated turtles living under the streets of new york city i mean it's kind of a subtle nod to that old school alligators in the sewers mystery However, given the way New York City's structured, you're probably never going to have, like, an alligator rampaging up the pipes while you're sitting on the toilet. So, with that being said, you're safe using your toilet in New York City if you don't mind cockroaches and the occasional rat. Which, let's be honest, I think cockroaches are more of a problem to New York City than, you know, giant sewer gators. I mean, given the fact that Manhattan's an island heavily populated... Even if you're on, like, the 30th floor in a penthouse, you're still going to have cockroaches because you're sharing that building with hundreds of people. And it's right at street level, and right at street level is probably a filthy dumpster that's attracting cockroaches. Uh, it's one of the reasons I'd never moved to New York City, to be honest. Other than the fact that i let's just say, poor. <laughs> But since this thing's kind of devolved into a drunken rant about how I feel about New York City, I think we're going to end it here. I do thank you for listening. No hate on New York. I, it is one of the greatest cities in the world. I just personally never lived there. Once again, thank you for listening. This is Mike. And if you would like to help the show out, I just ask that you tell a friend. Uh, this show mostly grows via word of mouth, and any help on that front is appreciated. And I'll be honest, for the last couple of weeks, I was wondering if I even wanted to continue with this project. But I had a lot of great support that basically put me in the direction of keep doing it, keep doing the project. If you're enjoying it, do it. And I had some great advice from some fellow podcasters that kind of lead me to want to keep doing this show. So in that sense, I I truly thank anyone who is listening and supporting it. Even if you don't hit every single episode, which I understand we have lives. But I do appreciate any support you are giving me. And on that note, I am going to sign off. This is Mike with Urban Legends and Mythologies. I thank you for listening, and I'll see you in the next one.